Why, hello there! Audioverse welcomes you to Storytime Adventures. I'm Miss Michelle, and I invite you to travel with us through stories that teach important lessons along the way. Meet Seifer, our traveling book companion, and other adventuring young friends while we journey into stories that teach the importance of forming good habits and making wise choices while we're young. So sit back, make yourself comfortable, and join us as we travel through each storytime adventure. Hi, Miss Michelle. Hi, Olivia. So glad you're here. Welcome to Storybook Manor. Thanks. I'm so glad I can finally visit and see it for myself. Miss Michelle, is it true that there are only two more adventures left in this first series? Yes, it's true. But I'm thinking that sometime in the future, we will continue going on more adventures. Oh, I hope so. I know that kids from all around the world have loved listening to all of the stories and traveling along. I'm so glad I get to finally accompany you on one. Me too. And guess what? There's another special room that we are going to visit today. One that teaches us something very important. Great, I can't wait. The Hall of Honesty in the last episode was really cool. Yes, Elyon enjoyed that room. We're actually going to be passing the Hall of Honesty today on our way down because today we are heading all the way down to the basement. Oh, then we get to go down your spiral staircase? Yes, we do. It's this way. This must be it. Whoa, it's a golden spiral staircase and it looks like it goes down for a while. It's more narrow than I pictured. Yes, make sure you hold onto the railing so you don't get too dizzy going down. Oh, is this the doorway that leads into the Hall of Honesty? Wow, there are so many other doorways too. Yes, all these doorways lead to special rooms which are just waiting to be discovered. Our special room is farther down though, so keep on going. Okay, here we are. An iron gate? It looks like the gate of a castle. Does the gate actually open? It does. Here's the lever. Go ahead and pull it down. Whoa, the gate is going up. This is amazing. There's red carpet everywhere. And look at all those suits of armor on display. They look like they're from all over the world. So, these suits of armor are from nearly every time period. The Dark Ages, the Medieval period, the time of the Crusades, the Renaissance period, clear down to what our own soldiers wear during battle, as well as armor from different dynasties and empires. We even have armor from biblical times right over there. Yes, I see that. The Roman centurions wore armor like that. That's right. So this place is called the Armory. Remember I told you this room teaches us some really important lessons? Well, look up there on the wall. What is written on that crest? Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Ephesians 6, 11. So yes, this room has many aspects that teach us the vital importance of putting on God's armor and the training that we need to undergo if we want to be successful in battling the enemy. But today, 
I wanted to focus specifically on this part over here. Come look. What do you see? Well, this looks interesting. It looks like a city, but it's strange. It doesn't have any walls protecting it. And those soldiers that are on the outside look like they're about to attack it. It's like the city has no defense system at all. The people inside wouldn't stand a chance if there was an invasion. No, they wouldn't stand a chance. Now, did you know that in the Bible there is a verse that describes a city like this? It's found in Proverbs 25:28. Can you read that, Olivia? Sure, Miss Michelle. It says, a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. Oh, so the Bible is saying that if we don't have any control over ourselves, we are just like the city, completely defenseless. You nailed it! Self-control is a very important part in the training of a soldier, especially a soldier of Christ. And self-control, or rather, the lack of self-control, taught our character in today's story a very hard lesson. Sounds interesting. Oh, there's Seifer over there. Can you tell him I'm ready for today's story? Why don't you go ahead and tell him yourself? Okay, Seifer, open up to today's story. All right, Miss Michelle, I'm ready. Great! Listening friends, are you ready too? I call today's story, Tom's Trial. Tom was a great kid. He was athletic, hardworking, responsible, sympathetic, and smart. In fact, if you were to see Tom from just the outside, you would think to yourself, Wow, now that is one great kid. Many parents wish their sons could be just like Tom. But if the truth could be told, Tom had one big fault. He had a terrible temper. If something happened that would make him angry, or if anyone set him off, Tom's face would turn red and livid, and he would shout and yell, stomping his feet in rage. Anyone who saw his transformation would be shocked that this was actually the same kid they all wanted their children to be like. His parents had tried desperately to curb his wicked temper and had finally warned him that if he didn't learn how to control his temper, then one day something would happen to him that he would regret. Tom's birthday rolled around and to his great joy, he received what he had been wanting the most, a dog. And not just any dog, a beautiful golden retriever. Tom stroked his beautiful long fur and scratched him behind his ears. As he looked into the dog's eyes, the dog licked his face affectionately. Hey there, old fella. You and I are going to be best buds. I think I'll name you Tiger. Tiger barked joyfully in response. Tom laughed. I guess you like your name, huh? Well then, Tiger it is. From that point on, the two were inseparable. Everywhere Tom went, Tiger went too. And people soon got used to seeing the two of them always together and thought it strange if they saw one without the other. It was summertime and Tiger and Tom loved spending time fishing in the creek. 
One day, Tom's friend Jesse came over to spend the day with Tom. After fishing and playing in the creek, the boys decided to go into Tom's barn to play. Tiger followed along as usual, and they all went up to the second floor where there was a loft. The loft didn't have any railings and was used mainly for the purpose of storing bales of hay for the horses, but it was a favorite spot for the boys and for Tiger. They enjoyed climbing up on the bales of hay where they could look out the large second-story barn window. While they were casually talking about school, Jesse brought up an incident that had happened at school the day before school ended, and before long, a heated discussion was underway. And then, Mr. Arnold told John to leave the classroom for acting that way. No, it didn't happen like that. What? Yes, it did. I was there. I heard it with my own ears. No, it was just a misunderstanding. John said he'd never say anything like that. Well, I was there, I tell you. I heard the words come out of his mouth with my own two ears. No, you're just making that story up because you want him to look bad. Tom was getting angrier by the minute. The color began to creep into his face. Tiger, who could sense that his master was getting angry, started to whine and pull on Tom's shirt. But Tom paid no attention to Tiger and focused only on Jesse, who was totally caught up in the argument. I don't understand why you're acting like this. Why would I want him to look bad? I'm just telling you what happened. No, you're a liar. I don't believe you. I don't believe a single word that you're saying. That was it. Tom had had enough. In a fit of anger, he gave Jesse a hard push. Fine, then be that way. Jesse tumbled off the hay bales, and Tom's face went ashen when he saw his friend falling towards the edge of the loft. Tiger started barking in alarm. Jesse, no! But it was too late. Jesse screamed as he fell off the ledge of the two-story loft, and Tom heard his friend's body hit the hard ground below. Tom's entire world shattered at that moment. Some men who were working right outside the barn had heard the scream and came rushing in. Call 911 immediately. The men lifted Jesse up tenderly, and Tom, who had somehow made his way down to the first floor, looked at the lifeless form of his friend. Is he dead? No, he's only fainted from the pain. He must have grabbed onto that rope hanging from the ceiling when he fell. It saved his life, but look at his hands. They are the most bloody, mangled hands I've ever seen. What happened anyway? Did he slip and fall? Tom could never tell a lie. No, I pushed him. You pushed him? You awful boy. You could go to jail for this. Tom turned white as a sheet. His eyes started burning with tears and he turned and fled, not even realizing where he was going and completely blinded by his tears and a choking heaviness in his heart. He soon found himself back at the creek where just a few hours before, he, Jesse and Tiger had had the most wonderful time. He started shaking as the heavy sobs that he had been holding back finally broke through. Tiger whined and licked his master's face and then turning to the forest barked as if at some imaginary enemy and then turned 
and licked his master's face some more. Tom threw his arms around Tiger. How different everything was now. In a fit of temper, he had almost killed his friend. If it weren't for that rope that Jesse had grabbed onto, his friend would have died. His parents had warned him that if he didn't learn how to control his temper, that he would do something that he would regret. And oh, how true those words were. If only he could turn back the time. But what had happened, had happened. And Jesse could still die. He remembered the white, lifeless form of his friend and shuddered as sobs once again racked his body. Oh, poor Tom and poor Jesse. Is he going to be all right? Well, don't go anywhere because we'll find out after the short break. Hey parents, we know that you love stories just as much as your kids, so we want to tell you about a whole website filled with stories for you too. Journeys Unscripted is a place where you can hear real stories told by real people who have experienced the power of God in their lives. You'll find stories of victory, of courage, of hope. If you're looking for answers, needing inspiration, or longing for something deeper, take a walk with these individuals on their unscripted journeys and you just might meet the divine author who wants to write your story too. Visit journeysunscripted.com today. And now, back to today's story. After what seemed like an eternity, he finally stood up and found himself at the front door of the house of his friend Jesse, who had in the meantime regained consciousness and had been taken to a rural hospital close by where they had bandaged his hands and sent him home to be cared for. Tom knocked timidly. When Mrs. Wagner, Jesse's mom, opened the door and saw Tom, she immediately began to shut it, saying brokenly, You've caused enough pain for one day. Why don't you just go home? Mom, let him in. He heard Jesse's voice say. It was just as much my fault as it was his. Tom's heart rejoiced and he quickly strode to his friend's side. Jesse, I'm so sorry. And Tom couldn't say any more as he broke down in tears. I'm sorry too. Jesse had tears in his own eyes. Mrs. Wagner sighed. I don't know what I'm going to do without Jesse's help this summer. Who's going to take all my vegetables down to the market and sell them for me? I will, Mrs. Wagner. I will come every single day and sell your vegetables at the market for you. I promise you, I will. And Tom kept his word. Every morning, he and Tiger took all of Mrs. Wagner's produce to the market and stood there faithfully till the evening until every vegetable was sold. The days were hot and long and tiring, but Tom didn't complain once. Tom's parents would come by, grateful to see the fruits of humble repentance ripening in the character and life of their son. 
Soon it was time for Jesse's bandages to come off. Despite the rural doctor's best efforts, Jesse's hands were still mangled and deformed. He needs to go to the big city and get surgery on his hands as soon as possible, Mrs. Wagner. Mrs. Wagner broke into tears. Even if I were to use up all my savings from the vegetables, it still wouldn't be enough to cover the cost of the surgery. Oh, my poor Jesse, my poor Jesse. Tom couldn't bear it, and again he turned and fled. Once again, finding himself at the creek, he put his face in his hands. He thought about his savings at home. He had managed to save up quite a bit, as he was a hard worker. He could definitely give that to her towards the operation, but he knew it still wouldn't be enough. What could he do? Then, all of a sudden, he lifted his head from his hands as if someone had given him an electric shock. He stared at Tiger. No, I can't. I can't. No, not that. Tiger barked, then whined, then licked his master's face again. Finally, Tom lifted his tear-stained face and stared into his dog's eyes. Tiger, would you ever forgive me if I... if I... sold you? Then Tom jumped up and started running as fast as he could, Tiger at his heels, as if he couldn't trust himself if he delayed a second longer. He found himself running up the hill towards the house of Mr. Douglas, a well-to-do businessman who was very fond of Tiger. He knocked on the door. Why, hello, Tom. Hello, Tiger. Mr. Douglas, do you still want Tiger? Oh, uh, why, yes, but are you willing to sell him? I'll pay you well for him. Yes, Mr. Douglas, I am. Tom said quickly, not daring to look at his buddy. The exchange was quickly made, and the lump of money was safely in Tom's hands. Mr. Douglas took Tiger and put him behind the fence, and Tom's heart sank as he heard Tiger pawing at the gate. Please, Mr. Douglas, you'll be good to him, right? You won't whip him. I never did. He's the best dog there ever was. No, my young friend, I will treat him like a prince. And if you ever want to buy Tiger back, you can. Tom barely managed to choke out a thank you, and then he turned and fled as he heard Tiger's whining. Tom took the money he got from Mr. Douglas, along with his own savings, to Mrs. Wagner. That, along with the money that Mrs. Wagner had saved from selling vegetables, was enough to pay for a very successful operation for Jesse. Jesse's hands were basically brand new after the operation, and the whole town praised Tom for his self-sacrifice and spirit of restitution. Tom's birthday was just around the corner, and he asked his parents if he could just spend the day quietly by himself at the creek. They consented. Tom put his feet in the water and thought over the events of the past few months. What a different birthday this is from my last one. The last one was so happy. I received Tiger. 
Well, at least two good things have come out of this. Jesse's hands are as good as new, and I have finally learned, by God's grace, to control my temper. I will never allow it to rear its ugly head in my life again. <sighs> and now to think of a way to buy back Tiger again. He was so deep in thought that he didn't even notice the sound of a familiar bark. And before he could realize what was happening, Tiger was bounding towards him, barking and licking his face. Tiger, did you run away from Mr. Douglas? Tiger then went and picked up an envelope with his mouth that he had dropped in his joy at seeing his young master. He put it on Tom's lap. With tears, Tom read the words. My dear young friend, Tiger has been pining for you and I was wondering if you would be willing to take him back and raise him for me. For Tiger couldn't have a better master than one who has learned to conquer himself. I know the whole story, my friend. Do not be weary in well-doing. Your friend, Mr. Douglas. Wow, you were right when you said that our main character would learn a hard lesson in our story. I can see why self-control is so important. Thank goodness his friend didn't die. I also really admire how Tom tried so hard to set things right. You know, Tom really did everything in his power to make restitution. He gave his saved money, worked faithfully to sell vegetables, and even sold Tiger. I think restitution takes a lot of courage. I don't know if I could ever sell my dog. It does take a lot of courage, but God can give that courage to us. You know what else he can do? He can take all those negative emotions that are so hard to control, like discouragement, anger, jealousy, self-pity, or resentment, and replace them with the emotions found in Galatians 2, 22 and 23. We know them as the fruit of the Spirit, but if you look closely, all the fruits are linked to our emotions. Can you read that, Olivia? Sure, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Oh, there's self-control. Yes, self-control is one of them. I am so thankful that God helps us battle even our negative emotions when we surrender to Him. So, I would like to teach you a song that I composed again for this episode. It's found in Proverbs 16.32, and it goes along really well with our concept of self-control. Come on, let's head over to the studio. Thank you. 
was a great song, Miss Michelle. I'll be sure to remember the lesson I learned today. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much, Olivia, for coming along today. And thank you, listening friends, as always. We have only one more episode left. Are you curious to know where that last episode will take place? Then stay tuned for our last and final Storytime Adventure. Adventure.